Hey, why don't you go ahead and have a seat? We're going to get straight to the Word of God today. Man, I'm, I'm so glad to uh, be in the house of the Lord this morning. I hope that you are too. It's always a pleasure to be in church and to hear from the Word of God. And, you know, I, I talked today, I told you that we were going to talk about worship. And I think it's so fitting today. Normally, you know, obviously we have the full band and it's loud. And I love the drums just as much as the next guy. But there's something about bringing it down, uh, just an acoustic guitar and just connecting with the heart of God in that way. It's just a beautiful thing. Me and Tim used to do that all the time. We would do middle school ministry together and we didn't have, we didn't have a full band, right, at the church that we were at. So all we had was me, me and him and our acoustic guitars and then we would just get after it and worship. And those middle schoolers just went after Jesus and I absolutely love it. And uh, so today the message is simply titled The Heart of Worship. Somebody say, Worship. There's a song we used to sing back in the day, all right? When I was growing up anyway, and maybe you've been in church for any period of time, you might know this song. If you didn't grow up in Christian church, maybe you don't. But it's a song called The Heart of Worship. How many of you know that song? Come on, let me see. You know that song. Okay, uh, it, it goes like, I'm coming back to the heart of worship. Come on, you know it. And it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing I've made it when it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. Come on, that's a great song. That's a good lyric right there. And I want to tell you a little bit about that song. If you grew up singing it, or maybe that's the first time you've ever heard it in your life, uh, this is a song that was written by a guy that was a popular worship singer at the time. Very popular. He had a lot of Christian music that he had been putting out and different things, and he had been on a lot of projects. And, and he wrote this song at a time uh, where he was basically saying, you know what, I've made it more about the songs than I have about Jesus. I've made it more about the actual uh, experience of worship than I have made it about the object and the person of my worship. I've made it more about getting people together and seeing hands raised and guitars and all this stuff rather than I've made it about Jesus. And how many of you know that when we gather together to worship, it's not about the songs, it's not about the lyrics, it's not about, you know, people crying and all this stuff. It's not about any of that. It is simply about connecting with Jesus and honoring Jesus. Amen. That's what worship is all about. And so I'm going to talk today about what is the heart of worship? What is the heart of worship? Why do we worship? Why is it so important to worship? And so the message is simply called the heart of worship. I'm going to get straight into John chapter 4 today, and I'm going to set it up for you a little bit. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to John chapter 4. We'll be at verse 19. But before I do that, I want to quickly tell you a little bit about what we're reading today. If you know John chapter 4, the most famous story in there is it's the woman at the well. This is a story of Jesus going up to this well. Uh, the Samaritan woman is there, which normally he wouldn't associate with or talk to. And, and so he goes up and talks to her and Basically, uh, she's just having a conversation. And he says, you know, hey, I know you've had five husbands before, and the one you're with is not, you're not even married to. And she was like, wow, I obviously could see that you're a prophet. And so they start having this conversation back and forth about worship and about different things. But really, this, this story, the woman at the well, most of the time we look at it as a story of, uh, of salvation, as a story of redemption, as a story of this woman who was down and out that was not 
really living in the correct way. And Jesus comes in, intercepts her. And wow, like it's amazing to see how she turns her life around immediately because of an encounter with Jesus. And it's thinking about grace and, and the grace of God in our lives that, man, when you mess up, that God is still there for you and loves you and everything. That's where we normally go with that story, right? But there's actually a huge element about worship in this story. And if you don't actually know about the context of it, you might miss it. But Jesus gives us the time, the place, the person. He gives us the the who, why, the when, and the how of worship, all within this short story. And maybe you've missed it before, but I'm going to walk through it with you today. So let's go ahead and read John 4, starting in verse 19. It says, Sir, the woman said, I can see that you were a prophet, obviously the son of God. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, men, don't try that. You're not Jesus, okay? Only Jesus can say that. Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. What a powerful statement right there. Why don't we pray together as we get into this? Father, I just ask that you would speak through me this morning, uh, that it wouldn't be my words, but your words, that you would open up our ears, eyes, and hearts, and minds to receive a word from you today. Amen. Amen. So I want to talk to you about the few things that Jesus uh, uh, gives us and teaches us about worship here in this passage. There's a little bit about it, but maybe you missed it. The, The first thing that he gives us is the place of worship. He talks about the place of worship. She says, Uh, Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that we have to worship in Jerusalem. And then he says, a time's coming when you worship neither on this mountain or that mountain. And the mountain that she's talking about is Mount Gerizim. It's about 30 miles north of Jerusalem. And it was a place where Abraham had built an altar. Jacob had also built an altar. And there was a very important moment with Moses and the Israelites when God gives him the Ten Commandments, all the law on the mountaintop. He gives them all this. And then they have a very important ceremony that that mountain was also a part of. So this became a really important mountain for the Samaritan people especially. Now, if you know the context, the Jews and Samaritans, they did not get along. They didn't like each other, not one bit. The reason is, is because God's chosen people are who? The Jews, right? And so God had always told them as a part of the law, do not intermarry with other nations. Don't intermarry uh, your men with other women from other cultures. Why? Because they're going to bring in their cultures, their gods, and it's going to be a problem for you. And so what the Samaritans unfortunately did is they were uh, the people that went off and intermarried with other religions and other nations. And so the Jews kind of viewed them almost as like a half-breed, right? They're like the half-breed Jews, like the budget, you know, Jews. And so they were not the thoroughbred, the purebred Jews. And so they didn't really like each other very much. The Samaritans, they were not fond of being thought of that way. 
Uh, if you were thought of as a half-breed or something like that, hey, man, that's not cool. I don't like that. And so they would kind of clap back at them a little bit, you know, uh, and, and the Jews would mess with them and be like, okay, yeah, you guys didn't even do what God said to do. And so now you're off in your own world. We don't want to talk to you. We're really God's chosen people. So they didn't like each other. But another reason that they didn't like each other, a lot of people don't know about, is because the Jews claimed that you could only worship God at their temple in Jerusalem. You could only worship here. But the Samaritans, like any, you know, brothers fighting against each other, said, you know what? I'll build my own temple, and I'll build it on this other mountain, and you guys can worship there, and we'll worship here, and this is the place that we believe God wants us to worship. So they built a, a temple on that mountain, and so the Samaritans built their own, their own 30 miles down the road, and they said, no, 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 we are worshiping right here. And I kind of view this almost as the first church split, right? This is the first time the church, but well before Jesus had even died, well before the Christian church even existed, right? The church is already splitting, okay? Like, no, we don't like that church. We're going to go make our own church 30 miles down the road, and we're going to bring half of y'all with us, and then y'all could come down here. Listen, we've been doing it for thousands of years, arguing about where to worship, Right? arguing about what church is the best. Come on, Radical Church is the best, obviously, right? Like we are the best and you gotta worship at Radical Church. You gotta come to Radical Church. And the church down the road is like, no, our church is the best. Don't listen to those weird radical people over there. No, no, don't go there. Our church is the best. And then everyone's just claiming that their church is the best. This is the best place to worship in town. If you don't like that, we'll start our own church over here. We're gonna split and do our own thing. Man, we've been arguing like that for thousands of years. It's not a new thing. Denominations have popped up. The reason for that is because of this uh, arguing and because of these differences of opinion on so many things. But here's the deal. We're arguing about the wrong things, y'all. We're arguing about the wrong stuff. And we've been arguing about where to go to church and how to worship, where to, all this stuff for so, so long. And it doesn't even matter. I don't think God cares nearly as much about that. Listen, in my opinion, this is what God thinks about it. It's like asking the question, do you want pizza or do you want wings? To which, of course, the answer is yes. Yes, I do. I would like both, right? It is not an either or. We've made uh, worship into this event that happens at a building. We've made worship into this thing that we have to do it at church and at our own church. But is there anything wrong with that? Absolutely not. I believe there's power when we come together and when we worship. But God says, man, you can worship. There's a time coming and the time is now when you will not worship on this mountain or on this mountain, but you will get to worship wherever you are at. Come on, somebody. I love to worship Jesus wherever I am at. I'll tell you, some of the best times of worship I have ever had in my life have been in my car driving on I-35. I'm, I'm not kidding. I've had to pull over sometimes because God just encounters me in a moment on I-35. I'm driving. It's Austin traffic. I'm almost cussing, right? You know what I'm saying? It's awful. It's terrible. But then Jesus encounters me in that moment, and I'm listening to some worship music, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm crying. I'm like, and I throw up my hand. No, I grab the wheel, you know. I'm not doing that. But I got to pull over sometimes because God encounters me. I've had great times of worship in the car. I've had great times of worship in my home office. I'll sit there and, and be, you know, worshiping, listening to music. My son Oakland will come in and we'll worship together and we'll pray together. And, and I've had great times of worship sitting on a couch uh, with an acoustic guitar, just hanging out, worshiping myself and worshiping with a small group of people. Man, I can tell you so many places I have worshiped Jesus. And we limit worship so often to Sunday mornings in a building with four walls around us. And I don't think that's what God wants us to do. It's both and. It's pizza 
and wings. Come on, y'all. The pizza is coming into church and worshiping, and the wings is worshiping anywhere else. God wants us to do all of it. It is a both and. But I believe that there is power when we come into the house of God to worship together. But God is much less concerned with the place that you worship than he is about the posture of your heart. Does that make sense? God is more concerned about the posture of your heart and the place that your heart is in as you worship rather than the physical location of where you are at at that moment. Man, you could be in church, but not really worshiping Jesus, right? I'm telling you, it's happened so much before. Uh, you could be anywhere, and you could be at church, you could be at a conference, you could be at a time of worship. There could be music up on the screens, and the words, and the band is going crazy and everything. And you could be at church, you could have your hands raised and all this stuff, but you're not really worshiping. God cares about the posture of our heart. And so the place, he says, man, you could worship anywhere. The second thing he tells us is the time. He says that time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. There is a time coming when you're not going to worship in a building. It's going to be whenever and wherever you go. So when, when is the time to worship? No, 9 and 11 on Sundays at Radical Church. Wrong, trick question. No, here's the deal. We limit it so often to 20, 30 minutes with music on the screens. No, it's now. The time to worship is now. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, Man, you'd be walking around at Walmart or Target or wherever you're going, H-E-B. Man, you could be worshiping under your breath. You could be worshiping Jesus in your head, just being like, God, you're so good. I'm so grateful for you. Man, that's worshiping right here, right now. David says this in the Psalms. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. Somebody say, all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Every day, another verse, every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Now, when did he say he was going to be worshiping? He said, every day, all times, continually, forever and ever. What does that sound like? All the time, right? We say God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. I'm going to praise God all the time. And so find time in your day to bless the Lord, whatever that looks like for you. Maybe that is listening to worship music in the car. Maybe that's listening uh, to a song or maybe just having a moment where you pray in the mornings. Maybe that's in the evenings, whatever works for you and your schedule. But man, you gotta thank God for his blessings. Thank God for his goodness. Why? Because this is the day that the Lord has made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen, this is what we do. We thank God for who he is and what he's done. And I wanna make sure I make time for God. I know we have busy schedules. I mean, there's nothing or no one more important than Jesus and spending time with God. Can I get an amen this morning? The next thing is the person. We have the time and place, but then he gives us the person, the object of our worship. He says, you Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvations from the Jews. Time is coming, has now come. True worshipers will worship the Father, the Spirit and the truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. So I want to ask you a question. Do you know who you are worshiping? Now, yesterday, I was going through this message in my office with Oakland at home. And I, I was preaching this part. He likes to preach with me sometimes. And so I'll be preaching, and he'll just kind of stand there and say, amen. And that's kind of what he thinks is preaching, okay? And so uh, he'll say, amen, Dad. And uh, he introduced himself yesterday. I said, hey, I'm Pastor Trevor, blah, blah. I go through the whole nine yards and everything. And I said, hey, I'm Pastor Trevor. He's like, and I'm Pastor Oakland. And I was like, nice, dude, okay. 
And I said this question. I said, do you know who you're worshiping? And he said, Jesus, duh. <laughs> I was like, all right, if you, never, if you don't know the answer to a question in church, come on, you just say Jesus. Nine times out of 10, you'll be right, all right? Uh, so do you know who you're worshiping, though? The, the reason why Jesus says, the Samaritans, you don't even know who you're worshiping, but we do know who we're worshiping. Why would he say that? Well, the Samaritans actually only had the first five books of the Bible. They only accepted the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch the Torah, whatever you call it, there's different versions of it. And they had their own version even of that. And so they only accepted the first, they rejected everything from Joshua all the way to Malachi. And they certainly did not accept the New Testament Jesus when he was coming. Some of these people obviously do, but not as a whole, they did not. And so they only had the first five books of the Bible, which means what? It means they had a limited understanding of who God was and what he does. They had a limited understanding of what was to come. They had a limited understanding of his goodness, a limited understanding of his grace and of his mercy. So which version of God are you worshiping? That's the question I wanna ask because man, there's so many different versions of God out there, right? Uh, There's different religions. There's different cultures that have their own version of God, but not even just different religions. Even within Christianity, we have different versions of God different ways that we think about God, different things that we think that he does and and he says and ways that we interpret scripture. But which version of God are you worshiping? Is it the God of the Bible? Or is it the God that uh, your pastor or your culture or your workplace or your friend says that God is like? This is what God really thinks about this. And we're in such an individualistic culture now. Many times it's even down to person by person what we believe that God is like, who he is, what he says, and what he does. And yet, there's obviously one true God. This is what we believe as Christians, right? Is that there is one true God and we want to worship the God of the Bible. And I almost would think of it like this. Have you ever praised somebody before and talked, talked up somebody before without really knowing them very well? Like, you ever met somebody a couple times and just kind of in passing as an acquaintance and then somebody else comes along and like, hey, uh, do you know David? Be like, yeah, I know David. For sure, man. Yeah, he's a cool dude. Definitely, Absolutely. Like, hey, do you, do you know Julia or talk to her? Yeah, yeah, the one with the kids. Yeah, she seemed so sweet, just so, just absolutely incredible. And then it comes out later that they are a terrible person. You ever had that happen before? And they're like, yo, what are you doing? Like, you said that this person was cool. And you're like, well, honestly, I didn't really know him that well. I just met him a couple times and I just said, I was just trying to be nice, you know? Um, maybe celebrities, I see this all the time on Instagram, especially, and on TikTok. You see, there's a celebrity and all, especially the female celebrities, all the girls are like, oh my gosh, she is just so sweet. Like a great example, just a role model for all the girls out there. And then it comes out later, you see all the comments and everything. It comes out later, she was sleeping with five dudes and cheating on her husband and everything. And they're just like, oh my goodness, I'm shocked. I cannot believe this. It's like, you didn't know her. You were not friends with her. You have never met this person. You have no clue who that is. And yet you were hyping them up like you knew something about them or whatever. No, you don't know anything about All you know is what you see on social media. Here's the deal. Uh, you feel dumb because they were worse than you thought. But many times I feel dumb because I'm praising God and I realize that he is better than I thought. I realize that God is better than the things that I think about him. He's better than the things I believe about him. He says better things about me and greater things about the people around me than I even understand. And I feel dumb sometimes because I'm like, wow, God, I've experienced a little bit more of your goodness and I've only been praising you for this level of goodness, but your goodness is way up here. 
I want to learn more about your mercy, more about your grace, more about your love. I want to taste and see that the Lord is good. Come on. And I want to learn more about you so that I can praise you on the next level because I know a little bit more. I'm worshiping you in spirit, but also in truth, in the truth of who you are, in the truth of understanding who you are and what you say and what you do. I'm praising with a limited understanding. I don't want to do that. And so Jesus is saying, hey, you're worshiping God, but you don't even know how good he really is. You don't even really know everything, but he's about to tell her, right? Come on. So God's looking for those that will worship in spirit and in truth. So do you know the truth of who God really is? This is why we get in the word of God. Amen. This is why we read scripture. This is why we pray, because the more you do that, the more you learn, the more you taste and see that God is good, the more you're going to want to worship him because you recognize how good he really is. The last thing is he tells us about the heart. Somebody say heart. The heart of worship. He gives us the time. He gives us the place. He gives us the object, which is the person, but then he gives us the heart of worship. So how do we worship God? What is the heart behind worship? Let's really get into this, okay? So on Sunday mornings, we're singing. Many people worship in different ways, right? I always think it's funny. This morning, I stand on the side a lot of times, right before I'm about to come up. I'll kind of just head over here to this corner. You'll see me over here often. I'm praising, I'm worshiping. One of my favorite things to do, though, is to look out and see how all y'all be worshiping. Yes, I am looking at you, right? I know that's one of the weirdest things because everybody's like, I don't want people to see me worship. And then you see this pastor dude over here just being like. <laughs> but I love watching people worship because we all worship in different ways. Maybe some of y'all come in here and y'all do the elbow flap, right? You just kind of got this action, right? All right, hands in the pocket. Ain't doing too much, all right? Ain't about to show too much here, okay? Uh, but then maybe uh, some of y'all, you got the, the carry the TV action. You got this, right? I should have worn the, the lapel mic today or whatever, so I could have done this. But you got this action right here. And then you get the bigger screen TV. You upgrade to the big screen. Come on, somebody. And then you got the my fish is this big, this one. Right here. But I caught a bigger fish, this one. Then my, one of my personal favorites is the Mufasa, right? Right here. I love that one. And then you have, uh, if you really love Jesus, okay, now we're getting into the advanced worship techniques now, all right? If you really love Jesus, you got the goalpost. Come on, right here. Touchdown, that kind of stuff, action. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but then my personal favorite, and actually our, our team captured a picture of me last week and posted a picture of me uh, a day or two ago of me doing my favorite worship move, which is the Rocky Balboa. Come on, somebody right here. Put your hands up in the air, fist right here. And I'm just like walking around. I got the fists up in the air. I'm fist pumping, all right? Tim, uh, uh, Pastor Tim, he is a pointer. He's got the point action. He's like the finger guns, right? He's like, I'm reaching heaven, right? Some of y'all do the karate chops, different kinds of things. Uh, but here's the deal. We worship God in so many different ways. But this is what it's all about. God wants you to worship in spirit and in truth. He doesn't want you to worship the way that the person next to you worships. He doesn't need you to worship maybe on your knees. Some people feel called and led to get on their knees and worship here at the front. Some people maybe worship at the back and some people worship at the front. Some people worship sitting down or standing up with their hands raised, their hands in their pockets. But listen, at the end of it all, God does not care about the outward appearance. He cares about your heart. And if your heart is connecting with the heart of the Father, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. God wants you to connect with his spirit. 
It's about the heart. You could be in the right place in the right time, the right person, and it means absolutely nothing if your heart's not in it. You know what I'm talking about. Let me give you an example. Let's say, dudes, you're out on a date with your lady, right? You're out on a date, but you're thinking about the score of the game, right? You got your phone sitting right there on the side. You're like, mm-hmm. You're checking the Cowboys game. They're losing, obviously, but you're checking the score of the game. Maybe uh, parents, you're at the park with your kids. I mean, I'm going to go to the park with my kids. But what are you doing? Come on, you've been there before, parents. You're thinking about other things. You're thinking about the stress that you have at work going on right now. You're thinking about, you're thinking about your kids and, and the school stuff that's been going on, the, the, you know, the drama that's going on with the PTA meeting. Or, you know, you're thinking about the chores that have to get done at the house. You're thinking, oh, the house is a wreck. I got to get back and clean this. Oh, my goodness, I got so many things to do. And you're thinking about that fight that you had with your husband or with your wife or with that significant other. You're thinking about all the other things, but you're not thinking about who, the kids <laughs> that are right there in front of you. How many of you know that that's not going to establish a great connection? That that play date is not going to be very fulfilling. That date that you're on, not going to be very fulfilling. Why is that? I was in the right place. I was on a date. We went to dinner to the nice, I made a reservation and everything. I went to the right place on the right time. We showed up on time for the reservation. We good. I'm with the right person. I'm not with my side chick, right? You know, I'm with the right person but my heart's not in it. And she's gonna know, he's gonna know that they're not in it. Your kids know when you're not present, right? If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. You've been there before. And Lindsay has to get on to me sometimes because I'll be thinking about stuff going on at the church and uh, it'll be you know five, usually about five o'clock, 4.35, I'll, I'll kind of take over uh, daddy duty, right? I'm, I'm done with work for the day. Lindsay will go off, start cooking dinner. And uh, I'll just have finished work and I'm playing with Oakland and Tegan and she'll recognize that I'm not really present in the moment. Like I'm physically present, my body is there and I'm around, technically around, but I'm not actually engaging with them in that moment, right? She'll have to get on to me. She'll say, hey, you gotta stop thinking about work. You gotta disconnect. It's time to play with your kids. Like, come on, Trev, snap out of it. And I'm like, yes, you're right. Thank you. I need to snap out of it. I need to put my phone away. Stop worrying about what's going on elsewhere, but be present with my kids there in that moment. And I think we do this so many times in church. We really do. I think we sing words a lot of times on the screen and we're not even processing what we're saying, right? You might've done it this morning. You realize if, if I tried to get you to say the words that you just sang this morning, I'm not saying you have to memorize every song. You know, you don't have to memorize every lyric. But what I'm saying is, is, are you actually processing what we're saying on the screens, the words that we're singing? Many times I've caught myself, I'm just singing. I'm just singing because everybody else is singing. This is what we do. We're just singing the songs, you know? And then, but every once in a while, I will catch myself if I'm in that mode and I'll stop and I'll say, you know what? I'm gonna actually just look. I'm gonna look at this. I'm gonna look at these words, analyze them. And I'm gonna worship Jesus through these lyrics today. I'm gonna just really take to heart what we're singing right now. That song, Gratitude, that's a beautiful song. really is when you look at it. What can I offer you, God? But just a heart, singing hallelujah. All, All I wanna give you is my heart. I don't have anything else to give. There's nothing I could give you that's a value of worth, anything like that. But I'm gonna worship you, Jesus. That's a beautiful song. 
When's the last time you did that and connected with the words? Man, you might be praying in church, but it's because the pastor told you to, right? <laughs> you praying, you bow your heads, you close your eyes. Everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. Let's pray together. And you're like, okay, cool. And you're praying, but you're not really thinking about it, right? How many of y'all ever been in prayer before? And after about like 30 seconds, you realize that you're thinking about something else. And you're like, how did I get to this place? What? I was just praying. And now I'm thinking about something else, you know? Uh, that happens so often. We get so distracted. We're not really connecting in that moment with God. We're clapping our hands, right? We're like, yes, clapping our hands in worship, thinking about lunch. Come on, somebody. You know what I mean? You've been there before. I've been there before. But God says our worship has to be in spirit. What does that mean? It means until your spirit connects and touches the spirit of God, it's not worship. We could be doing all the right things. We could be in the right place at the right time with the right people in our time of worship that we have allotted for 20 to 30 minutes on a Sunday morning. And if we are not actually connecting with the heart of God, my heart, having this cosmic connection with the creator of the universe, if that doesn't happen, it's not worship. But that's what God wants. It says the Father is looking for people that will worship him in spirit and in truth, that we know who God is, the truth of who he is, and that we, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're now able to have a connection with him. Matthew 15, seven through eight says this, this is a harsh statement by Jesus. He says, you hypocrites, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Let that never be said about radical church. Let that never be said about me, about you, about your family. That we honor God outwardly and publicly, but our hearts aren't in it. Worship's not a ritual. It can't be mechanical. It's gotta be more than just a thing that we do in a time that we set aside. It has to become a lifestyle. It has to become who we are. It's, it's about connecting with the heart of God. And when you connect with God in this way, over time, you will start to learn more about him. You'll start to feel the things that he feels, to see the way that he sees, to think the way that he thinks. And then when we get into this place on a Sunday morning, as we're practicing worship throughout the week, I believe that our time on Sunday morning of worship, Sunday morning worship will be way more powerful. I believe that there'll be more signs and wonders and miracles. I believe there'll be more breakthrough. I believe that there'll be more healings. I believe that there'll be more salvations, more families being reunited, more marriages that'll be healed. Why? Because when you practice worship throughout the week, it is simply the overflow on a Sunday morning when we come together in corporate unity. It's a beautiful thing. We gotta practice worship throughout the week. It's understanding the truth of who he is by the revelation of his word, by taking time to listen to him speak to you personally through the power of the Holy Spirit and then thanking him for that truth, thanking him for who he is. The woman says, I know that Messiah called Christ, verse 25, is coming. When he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. One of the most powerful statements in all of the New Testament that Jesus says. Why is that? The disciples come up after he's been talking to her for a while. They had this whole conversation. Right after this, you'll see the disciples come up and they are concerned. They're shocked that he is talking with this woman. They're like, yo, do you see who he is talking to right now? This Samaritan woman? Here's the deal. The reason that she was at the well at that time was because most of the other women 
would have gone early in the morning before it got hot, right? It would have been like you trying to wake up and get outside and get all the yard work done at 7 a.m. before it is 105 and 185 degrees here in Central Texas, right? I'm not doing yard work at five o'clock. I'm doing it at 7 a.m. Most of the women would have gone to draw water from the wells at early in the morning when the light had just come up. But this woman was there later in the day. Why is that? All the other women had already gone. It's because she was an outcast. It's because she was rejected by the other one. It's because she was rejected by her society. She didn't want to deal with maybe the drama of, of the choices that she had been making. And everybody knew she'd probably been sleeping with all their husbands. You know what I'm saying? Like she didn't want anything to do with them. They didn't want anything to do with her. An outcast in the nation of outcasts, the lowest of the low. And so these disciples understood that that's why she was there at that time. They kind of figured that out. And, and they're like, well, why is he talking to her? This is not, he's a rabbi, you know? Jews didn't talk to Samaritans, first off. And it was even more scandalous for Jesus. Why? Because he was a rabbi talking to a sinful Samaritan woman. She was sinful, she was Samaritan, and also it wasn't culturally appropriate for a man to talk to a woman like that alone, especially a rabbi of, of Jesus' stature in their eyes. He should have never been talking to her. And I think this simply just tells us so much about the love of Jesus. It shows how much he loves us. Because in everybody else's eyes, that would have been three strikes against Jesus. Like he broke the Billy Graham rule. Like you're not supposed to be alone with a woman, right? He already broke it. And, and, and yet they come up to him and they eventually say, hey, Jesus, you need to eat some food. He says, no, I don't need food. You guys don't understand. This is my food. I have food that you don't know anything about. My food is to do the will of the Father. That's what he says. What does that mean? It means that he was investing in this woman that needed hope. He was investing in this lady that needed life. He was connecting with God in that moment, his father. And that's actually what sustained him. That's what got him excited. You ever been real excited before and realized that you hadn't eaten in 12 hours, right? You've been doing something real fun and you've been just like, oh my goodness, I haven't eaten in a long, that's what Jesus was feeling in that moment. And then right after that, that's when he says that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few, guys. Like, man, we got to get out there. This is incredible what God's doing right now, what my father is doing right now. Look at this woman, so far away from relationship with God, so messed up in her life, and yet she's getting hope and healing and faith right now. This is what Jesus does for us. I think it shows how much he loves me because he revealed his true identity to this woman. She was one of the only few people that Jesus actually revealed that he was the son of God to, that he was the Christ. He had barely told anybody at that point. She was one of the first to know this sinful Samaritan woman. And it, it makes me so happy inside when I, when I hear this story because I remember when I was stuck in my old ways, I remember Jesus standing by the well to have a conversation with me. I don't know about you, some of y'all remember what your life was like before Jesus. Come on, you could get an amen right there. You remember what your life was like when you were messed up, when you were broken, when you were struggling. And then you remember Jesus encountering you in that moment, having that conversation with him. And he met with me that day. It was beautiful. And he didn't condemn my past and he's not condemning your past here today. He didn't condemn hers, what he did. He acknowledged it, but he didn't condemn her past. He was championing, championing her future. That's all he cared about. And he was trying to get her to understand that it doesn't matter these things. I already know what you've done. You don't even gotta tell me. I already know. 
and I don't even care. We're not even gonna talk about that. What we're gonna talk about now is your future. And this is what God wants to do for you and for me and for everybody around us. He wants to champion your future. He wants to give you life. He wants to give you hope, peace, and joy that surpasses all understanding. But it all happens when we go to the well, we experience and encounter Jesus, and then we learn to worship him in spirit and truth, get to know him better. Amen? Why don't you stand with me today? We're gonna sing that song the heart of worship, whether you know it or whether you don't. I just wanna encourage you today to sing with us and to worship Jesus and really just look at the words on the screen, whether you know it or not, and and just really let it soak within you and connect your heart to the heart of God today. And we'll come back and we'll pray and close out at the very end. Come on, let's worship here together. Sing it out.
all about you, God. It's all about you. Thank you, Lord. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm coming back to the heart of worship, where it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the Thank you, Lord. It's all about you, God. Thank you, Lord. We worship you today. Come on, you might be in this place and you say, hey, pastor, I need to get right with God today. I have not been making it all about him. And you know if that's you in this place, it's all good. We're all on a journey to find and follow Jesus, to get to know him better to worship him in spirit and truth. But let me tell you one thing. If you don't know this, God loves you so much. He cares about you. The Bible says that the thoughts he has about you are more than the sands of the seas, more than every single grain of sand on the beach. Every star in the sky are his thoughts for you. He knows every hair on your head. He knows every problem you're dealing with, everything that you're going through right now, every doubt and every question and every issue every sin that you struggle with, every victory that you've had. And I wanna encourage you today to give your life to him. It'll be the best decision you ever make in your entire life. He'll give you a peace, a hope and a joy that is uh, surpassing all understanding. You won't even get how your life is gonna change in such a positive way. Is everything gonna be perfect? No, 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 no. Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world. That's what it's all about, is knowing that Jesus is standing at the well with you no matter what you're going through. If you bow your heads and close your eyes with me here today, I wanna to give you the opportunity to say yes. All you have to do is, is believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross. He took all of your sin and all of my sin and put it on his back and put it on his shoulders and became sin in that moment. The Bible says, he that knew no sin became sin. He took everything that you've ever done in your life and he was thinking about you when he was on the cross. And if you believe that he died and, and he was buried for three days, but then he rose again, that's what we celebrate every Easter. Come on, that Jesus is not dead, but that he is alive. And that he's speaking to our hearts right now in this place and that he loves me. Man, if you wanna get right with God today, I just encourage you with every head bowed, every eye closed, I just wanna see your hand go up in the air on the count of three. Uh, one, two, three, if that's you. Man, I see you in the back. Come on, look up at me real quick. Come on, I see you, man, I see you. Put your hand down. I see you, man, absolutely. Come on, I see you. Anybody else, look up at me. Come on, I see you. I see you in the back. Yes, absolutely. Anybody else today? If I haven't seen you, please wave me down. I wanna make sure I know who I'm praying with today. Anybody else? There's three people for sure that are giving their life to Jesus today. Come on. Hey, what I wanna do is I wanna pray with every single one of you. And in an act of solidarity, we're gonna pray all together. Whether you've been following Jesus for 40 years or maybe for four minutes right now, we're gonna give our lives to Jesus again and again and again. We're gonna worship him forever. So come on, everybody, let's pray. Say Jesus. Come on, say it like you mean it. Say Jesus. I give you everything. I make you number one. 
in my life. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin so that I could have life. I give you my heart. Help me to worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give it up for three people saying yes to Jesus today. We had a few in our first service as well. That's what it's all about, man. People finding and following Jesus, finding freedom and hope in God. Man, that's, that's the best thing. That's what we live for. That's what we live for as Christians, as Christ followers. The same way that Jesus encountered her, a woman at the well, in that moment. And I believe that's what Jesus is doing for somebody here today. That's something to celebrate. Come on. Hey, thank you so much for being here today. Well, I want to invite you again. If you want to go deeper in your worship, you want to learn what it means to really worship Jesus, come this Wednesday night at 7 p.m. I believe that there's breakthrough on the other side of your obedience of coming this Wednesday. If God's speaking to your heart, man, I just want to pack this place out and be so unified in our worship, unified and practice worship all the way up to, let's practice worship this week and see what God will do on Wednesday. And if you're new, thanks again for coming. I'd love to meet you right out back. God bless you. See ya.